In K-drama, white people appear on screen only to cause trouble or racism, or for an easy laugh, or as a representation of the corruption in the West. White people aren't characters, they're plot devices. Welcome to the Sports Literati Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Shu, And I'm your other co-host, David Bryant. Welcome aboard. All right, Dave, we are back on the Sports Literati Podcast. I am speechless because we are going to talk today about Linsanity. All right. <laughs> Yeah, linsanity as a, an event or linsanity as a concept or linsanity as a, what, sensation in our head? <laughs> what, what, are we, what part of linsanity are we going over today? Specifically, we're going to talk about the literary effects of linsanity from the sports lit podcast point of view. You're not going to get this conversation anywhere else in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd be surprised at least. Now, specifically, we're talking about a book about linsanity, which has come out in the last few months. It's actually hot off the presses. And I'm talking about a book named The Sense of Wonder by Matthew Salisus. People might have heard it. People might not have heard of this. It's a pretty new thing, but this is just a sports lit podcast going all in on what's on the cutting edge of Asian American literature. <laughs> we're, we're crossing over a little bit here. <laughs> and, and not only are we crossing over into Asian American literature, we're also crossing over into fictional literature yes. for the first time on this podcast. Yes. So it is quite exciting that we're going to be dealing with basically what amounts to a, a story uh, that's, you know, not actually a real story. <laughs> Linsanity was real, okay? <laughs> Linsanity happened. Are we sure it happened? <laughs> it seems like a long time ago YouTube now, Dave. says I feel, it happened. It I happened. feel like it's, it's just a figment of my imagination at this point. <laughs> so the book we're talking about, The Sense of Wonder, is... I'll just give a quick synopsis. The book we're talking about, it's a fictionalized retelling of Linsanity, except instead of the main character being Jeremy Lin, the main character is now a character named Juan Lee, a Korean-American. And he plays point guard for the New York Knicks. He's almost cut. He's on his last you know, few days of his 10-day contract when he breaks out against the New Jersey Nets. If, all, if any of this sounds familiar, to the modern sports fan, it is because it is directly lifted from the events of Jeremy Lin's time with the Knicks, right? And I don't think we need to rehash that, although I could for all the fans out there of what exactly well, happened. D Dave, I think it would be helpful for the listeners <laughs> if, if you do rehash it. So, I mean, for people who don't know what Lin Sandy is or was, why don't you explain it to them in, in you know, synopsis form? Essentially, Linsanity was the greatest moment in Asian American sporting <laughs> history, condensed into a two-week period of time, right? I believe maybe three weeks. It was seven games where Jeremy Lin came out of nowhere, came off the couch that he'd been sleeping on, and suddenly took over the point guard duties for the New York Knicks in the middle of the regular season. They were otherwise having a forgettable season. All their players were injured. This guy comes out of nowhere and just starts playing lights out. Right. And, and he started stringing together a winning streak for a pretty hapless Knicks team. All of that isn't that important. The whole point of it was that this was the first time an Asian American dude appeared in the NBA and started lighting the thing on fire. And, and every closet basketball fan, every Asian guy at every K 
campus in the United States and Canada who had played pickup basketball one time had been had been disregarded in their high school or their elementary school gym class because they were too slow, too yellow, too weak, right? Too busy playing piano. Every one of those dudes, guys and girls, saw a guy that looked exactly like them lighting it up for the New York Knicks. And it was like the greatest three-week run in basketball history for, for all of us that saw this. To the point, every time I need to talk about Linsanity, I, I can only talk tell about it in this way. Every week, every week I would meet up with like my wife and my in-laws and we'd have, we'd have lunch, right? And then, you know, you'd sit around, you talk about world events, you know, you take out the Chinese newspaper, you'd start talking about, you know, Donald Trump's going to run for election, right? Or, you know, there's some banks are closing or what's happening with the recession. We never talked about basketball, right? For those two weeks, my in-laws were opening a newspaper and telling me about this dude named Jeremy Lin. Right? My father-in-law wanted to know the fact that they beat the, D- the Dallas Mavericks, the defending champions on television. Does, is that a fluke or is it not a fluke? What does it all mean? Right? That, the penetration of that story got into the dim sum halls with the 70-year-old set. Right? That's what, how crazy it was. This thing was bigger than basketball, man. This thing was bigger than anything I'd ever experienced as a sports fan, as an Asian American, Chinese Canadian sports fan, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> that is, uh, wow, it, it's just seeping out of your pores, the enthusiasm <laughs> for this topic. But, but we mean, need to for, talk about the book. <laughs> for, 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 I mean, for context, for context, you are Taiwanese Canadian, right? Yeah. Um, and you 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 did play basketball or I you still, still play. play basketball? I still play okay. basketball. I love basketball. basketball. People okay. who know me know basketball is my thing and tennis to some degree. Okay, okay. I mean, my myself, um, I'm half Chinese Canadian and I also play basketball. <laughs> I don't think I was as wrapped up in it as you were. I saw it as more of a basketball story, a story of like the ultimate underdog, a story of basically what amounts to catching like the ultimate like catching of lightning in a bottle yeah. in a way yeah in in it, it hit the you know hit the cultural medium of you know u.s canadian sports like so hard for that two weeks worldwide it, man worldwide worldwide yeah fair enough fair enough and it it yeah everybody was into it i mean not just not just asian people but uh you know, every, every, like a lot of people were into it right. for sure. But Asian people, it just had this extra level of resonance because mm-hmm. I feel like as Asians growing up in North America, we never had that hero. The only Asian American athlete of note that predates him, I think is Michael Chang, who was, who was a great tennis player, but wasn't able to capture the public's imagination the way Linsanity did for those few weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got you got to think about also the platform that he was on. He was playing for the New York Knicks, you know, one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. He was playing half these games at Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. you know, the most storied arena in the world, pretty mm-hmm. much, right? And you know, he's doing this all under the bright lights uh, of the NBA. And it's basketball, right? Asian people aren't supposed to be good at basketball. You got to be tall. You got to be quick historically there was we never saw a player like him before that's true he was almost like a a one of one at that point in time there have been other you know asian basketball players like yao ming in particular right right? but he was sort of like uh also an anomaly in his own way right right Uh, the the idea that a you know asian american guard um 
you know, could flourish in the NBA was sort of a foreign concept at right. that time. Right. And it still is to some degree because it, you know, when I say it's the lightning in the bottle, like this is not something that continued. I mean, he was, he was still a solid player afterwards, but he was never a superstar. And there haven't been any people who followed him, right. who followed in his footsteps. So every year that passes where there isn't another one of him appearing makes that time period that much more special. Precisely, precisely. <laughs> and and I haven't heard of any in the pipeline, so... Yeah, they never make it. There's a few. You always see some YouTube videos. That, the, the, or I don't know, maybe if you don't see them, I see them. You, yeah, I haven't, uh, <laughs> I haven't searched. We may be waiting a long time for the next sort of sensation like Linsanity to, to take hold. Um, we should talk about the book, though, Dave. Yes. So let, tell, tell, let, let's go over the book. Let's, let's go into a, a brief synopsis of the book. Okay, so the book uses this character Juan Lee as a fill-in for Jeremy Lin. But the, and he's also Asian-American, but the similarities basically end there, right? Jeremy Lin in real life is a born-again Christian, serious evangelical, Harvard-educated, seems like a typical Asian dude, right? Like a typical guy that we've all grown up with. Juan Lee is a bit more of a fiery, you know, he's, he's a black guy, wearing Asian skin is what it, he's the way he's depicted in this book to some degree, right? More so than the Jeremy Lin in real life. In the book, the book loosely follows what actually happened with Jeremy Lin. So Juan takes them on this seven game wonder period. So that's called the wonder instead of Lin sanity. So it's, they're punning off his name and the Knicks become really successful, but then all sorts of problems start to creep up. And these problems did occur with Jeremy Lin to some degree, right? As, as he got more and more popular, the fans loved him, the team was winning, but there started to be grumbling within the organization that, you know, the guys who were hurt, they wanted to come back and play. What was Jeremy Lin's role gonna be when Carmelo Anthony came back into the lineup, right? Like, what was, was he still gonna be the primary ball handler? There were all these question marks. So the later part of the Lin Sanity season, the Knicks start to unravel a bit, and eventually Lin gets hurt. So in this book, same thing happens. Juan Lee plays for a bit. He actually makes the All-Star game, which Jeremy Lin didn't, but eventually he gets hurt, and the season becomes a bit of a struggle. And we start to wonder, is he going to be, is he going to be re-signed? What's going to happen to him next year? That's half the book. So actually this book is only half about Jeremy Lin. The other half is about another character named Carrie Kang, who is a Korean American television producer who's trying to produce the first ever K-drama in the United States for mainstream American television. And she becomes Wan Lee's girlfriend. Actually, I think they hook up before he becomes famous. And half the book is about her story of trying to get this K-drama off the ground and the tensions that exist between her and her famous boyfriend and also her sister who is deathly ill. She's actually a pretty well-drawn character and has a pretty interesting storyline. More interesting than Juan's character, honestly, as the story rolls on. And the book follows them through this turbulent season that goes through the epic highs of the wonder and the lows of when... Carrie's sister is on her deathbed, kind of evens out at the end with, should I spoil the ending? I guess the ending is based on Jeremy Lin, right? So eventually the Knicks don't offer him much of a deal. He gets an offer from Houston, which is what happened with Jeremy Lin in real life. But 
Juan decides he's not going to do it. He doesn't want to go to Houston. So here we veer off into completely fictional trajectory and, mm. and Juan goes and joins the KBL, Korean Basketball League, and plays there for the next 10 years. And that's how the story kind of ends. So we enter this alternate dimension of what might have happened if Lin Sanity had played out differently. Yeah, you, you said it veers off into fiction. I, I would say <laughs> that uh, the whole Jeremy Lin Sanity forms just the very bare bones basic framework of this book true but i would say from that like pretty much 95 percent of the book veers off into (laughs) true fiction i don't think any of the interplay between the characters has any relevance or any relationship to what actually happened to jeremy (laughs) lynn i just i I just i was trying to make the connection throughout the book and i'm sure you were as well like this yeah. character is Carmelo Anthony. Powerball! Exclamation mark. Brian Windhorse, or this, you know, this this person is that. Right. But it became hard to connect the dots um, because it, it just seems too loose, and, and it doesn't seem to have any relevance to what actually happened to Jeremy Lin. Right. Right. I mean, you could see some of the potential like issues and some of the dynamics that happened to Juan happening to Jeremy, but I don't think the overall story really fits that well <laughs> and i and i wanted to fit more yeah i, I wanted to believe too. it more if, if that's the selling point of the book you'd think that it should fit the real life story more yeah i think i think the author is merely using linsanity as a plot device to to go towards other topics is is what i feel or to get people interested in the book maybe you know even you know 10 12 years later people are still taking advantage of linsanity we wouldn't have own. read the book if it wasn't based on linsanity let's just be honest about it you're 100% right <laughs> to me actually if i had to if i had to explain to somebody what this book is about i would say what it's really about is not it's not about linsanity to me it's all about racial dynamics right and because the writer constantly brings it up and we can't escape it no matter where we are. And he, and he brings it up in a very abrasive and hostile way oftentimes. What's he right? trying to say, in your opinion? That racial dynamics are complicated. Mm-hmm. And it, it, this is one version of how you know, white people interact with Asian people and Asian people interact with black people and black people interact with white people. This is one, this is his, this is a version through his lens. The problem I have though is that a lot of these characters that are portrayed are almost like caricatures of actual people. And I can't relate, I can't relate, I I was having trouble relating to these people. So the message to me got lost a little bit. I think the book is mainly about race and it's about how race has made everything really, really complicated, right? And even him taking Jeremy Lin's story and twisting it into a story about a Korean person, that is showing us that insanity is for everyone. All Asian Americans can bask in the glory of insanity, that it wasn't just for Chinese people, right? And he's trying to show that by changing the character slightly. I felt like one of his big take-home points is that all the main characters in the book their lives are completely seen through this filter of race, right? You're not just a basketball player. He's either a black player or a Chinese player. You're not just a sports writer. You're the Chinese sports writer for a big white American sports media company, 
right? Or you're not the basketball player's girlfriend. You're the basketball player's white girlfriend, right? And now you're the basketball player's white girlfriend who's now wanting to date a Chinese guy. Like there's all these weird dynamics which hinge a lot on a person's color. And I feel like the world does work that way in many respects, you know, in the, in the old fashioned kind of nasty, brutal world that we live in race matters and it comes out all the time. And I think this book is trying to nudge us to talk about that. Yeah, that's true. But I, I feel, I felt it was a bit overbearing yeah. in, in some cases. Did you feel that way? Like it, it was a bit too in our face, <laughs> which is why we were saying that's what the book is about because it was in our face constantly. <laughs> Yeah, the book is, it's a, he's very edgy, right? I, I was telling you this before. Like, I felt like he was just like a guy who was like, really felt like he was on fire as he was writing. He had, he had, a, he had a message that he wanted to deliver. I feel like Jeremy Lin, fundamentally, what he did, which was to play basketball, which is a black sport, and maybe a lesser so used to be considered a white sport, but has never been considered at the highest levels an Asian American sport, that that, in a way, is kind of, like him stealing a bit of the spotlight and bringing what was what was something that was for black people or for white people now giving a tiny slice of that to chinese people and to asian people and because so many basketball fans are chinese right so many sports fans are asian american and we've never had a hero like this that's what made the story resonate if he wasn't asian and he was just a hard luck you know basketball player who if we took race completely out of the story he, the story would still be a fantastic story, but it just wouldn't resonate this way. Well, so let's say if he was, you're saying like if he was an African-American yeah, player. Yeah, if he was Steph Curry. Because Steph Curry's right. story is actually, if you took the race part of it, is a better story than insanity, right? Steph Curry was a kid who no one respected because he was small. Even though his dad was in the NBA, he couldn't get a scholarship offer. He ended up playing like at a local college at Davidson. And now 20 years on, he's considered one of the greatest players to ever play basketball. Like that leap is just like Lin Sanity, except it went on and on and on and led to championships and worldwide recognition forever, right? But we don't talk about it like Lin Sanity because he's black. If he wasn't black, this would be a completely different story. Well, we don't talk about like Lin Sanity because it's still going on now, right? <laughs> 10, 15 years later, he has a full-fledged career. You know, he's a superstar still. He's a Hall of Fame-worthy player. He's won multiple championships with the Golden State Warriors. The story is still being told, and it doesn't have the lightning-in-a-bottle quality that Linsanity had, True. right? True. So, I mean, Steph Curry's story would be great in for, for any, any, you know, race of player, for anybody, right? Right. The Linsanity, like, the... the, the racial cultural aspect of insanity kind of cuts both ways because it's not as interesting of a story if he's not Asian American, but the backlash to that story um, occurs because he's getting so much publicity over it, right? He mm -hmm. gets some backlash because of the amount of publicity. It right. seems unwarranted to the average player because you know, it was a three-week stretch of fantastic <laughs> basketball that people still talk about Is today. Is that a real thing, that there was a lot of backlash to it? I, I feel like, yeah, there's always a backlash, Dave. Don't you know this? I've never does, heard any it actual backlash. It doesn't, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter what 
the topic is, there's always a backlash. When was there ever real backlash to insanity? Well, there was a backlash in New York City when when he got injured and he didn't he never he didn't sign with the Knicks. He was kind of like people sort of turned on him because he didn't he didn't uh, Did go they? back to the Maybe Knicks. Maybe I had my blinders on. I didn't hear that part yeah. of it. There was there was a big uh, there was definitely a lot of talk about how Carmelo Anthony yes, didn't that, like this. That was a true rumor. And <laughs> there was people in the media who were definitely bashing him. Because, uh, I mean, there was sort of chatter that, oh, maybe he should have played in the playoffs or whatever, right? But he never did. And there was definitely some some backlash in the media because of that. <laughs> and there's definitely, I mean, it's natural that, you know, you see a player that maybe you think you're better than, and maybe you are actually are better than, getting all this publicity. And the main reason he's getting this publicity is because he's Asian-American, Right. If he was an Asian American, he mm-hmm. wouldn't be getting the same kind of notoriety. It wouldn't be as good of a story. Right. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have a nickname attached to it. So it's, I can see how other players would harbor resentment towards him because of that. And I feel like there's a little bit of that. And you know, it, it, once you get to that level of notoriety and fame, there's sort of a circus that sort of accompanies you. Right. right? So the so, later part of his career definitely gets affected by this. For sure. For sure. Let's talk back to the book. <laughs> tell tell me some parts of the book you liked because it I it, I'm hearing that it was a frustrating reading experience. But were there some parts that resonated? So I'll tell you what my favorite part of the book was, mm-hmm. and it's it's sort of like not part of the main storyline, but my favorite scene in the book was uh, when uh, Juan's girlfriend's sister had her funeral even though she was still alive. Right. And it was such an odd scene, and it evoked so many sort of different emotions for me. Like, first was just confusion, uh, bewilderment, like, what is going so on here? So it's this whole idea that, what's the point of having a funeral? Because traditionally, we have them when you're dead, and you're yeah. not there to celebrate and see your friends. So yeah. she's like, I'm going to host it in advance. Is this something that actually happens? Or I've never it? heard of it happening. Okay, so me too. That's why I was so confused. <laughs> And I don't think it's something that actually happens, but basically, um, you know, she's, she's dying of cancer and she decides she want to have a funeral paid, you know, big money to have this funeral, mm-hmm. have everyone attend, um, while she's still alive. And I don't know, it evoked a lot of, uh, emotion out of me. Like <laughs> it, it, it seemed, a lot of it seemed like a parody, a little bit tongue in cheek. So it made me like you know, grin a bit, but it also made me sad. It made me emotional. I, I felt a lot of different feelings during I that. I felt these parts of the book were stronger than the parts that were more directly related to basketball mm-hmm. because the characters had more space to breathe and do different things and have interesting things happen to them. Mm-hmm. Whereas the basketball scenes were very, you know, you, you know, it did veer away pretty quickly, but still kind of followed, had to follow the general structure of what actually happened in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What what did you think of the whole plot line of her uh, of the sister having cancer, like uh, within the scope of the book? I mean, I feel like that was so. So that I guess we should talk about the whole K drama element of it, right? So, for people who don't know, and I don't know how many people listening to the Sports Literati podcast know a lot about K drama, but Korean dramas are a big thing. Like if you if you ever go on Netflix, there's like. I don't know, hundreds of these shows that are there for you to download. And in Asia, they're like a phenomenon, right? So not just in Korea, 
I think they're everywhere because okay. Korea is at this point in time setting the trends for music and pop culture for all Asia. I think it mm-hmm. used to be Japan, and now Korea is more of the trendsetter. Mm-hmm. The it's basic a K drama is basically like a soap opera would be in North America, except a North American soap opera tends to run into infinity, right? The days of our lives has been going for forty years. Um, down, young and the Restless. I can remember it from my childhood. Yeah. In Asia, dramas and K dramas they run for like a season, right? So there's probably going to be twenty episodes, twenty five episodes, and that's it. And you get twenty five, forty five, one hour, forty five minute or one hour episodes, and it takes you from beginning to end. And, and there's certain tropes that appear and reappear in these shows. One of them is the dying, the dying main character. Hmm. right or the sudden death of a main character halfway through the show like that's a common thing so i i kind of saw that he was trying to especially with carrie's character being a k-drama producer also trying to weave in elements of k-drama into the book itself and, and and like you said earlier turn the whole wonder event into its own little k-drama so i think it, i think that's what he was trying to do with this part mm-hmm but it was still weird. <laughs> it, it was, was still, still weird, weird, and I'm still trying to process it because I, I'm, I mean, I'm not that familiar with Korean dramas. I don't. I've never watched any actually, but I, I know of people who do, who are, who have, right. and who well who in the loved book. It. In the book, they're trying to bring K drama to America, <clears throat> right? Which is almost the opposite of what Jeremy Lin or what Wan Lee is trying to do, which is trying to bring Asianness into the NBA. Now we're bringing something Korean into the United States. So it's kind of tit for tat that way. Mm-hmm. It's in parallel. Um, who's your favorite character in the book? That's a good question. I feel like my favorite character is probably going to have to be sung his, uh, his writer buddy. Hmm. Yeah. The, he, his character to me was the least <laughs> believable. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't really understand. I didn't really understand the point of him as a character, but he was a main character in a book. A super edgy Asian basketball player who never made it and now is super bitter about it, turns into a sports writer and decides he's going to steal Powerball's girlfriend. Powerball's Carmelo Anthony, I think, <laughs> right? And he, and he does, and he ends up doing that, that very thing. <laughs> right. Which... It's just completely unbelievable. But it's as unbelievable as anything else that happens. It's as unbelievable as a Korean basketball player making an NBA. It's as unbelievable as a K-drama becoming a, a, a sensation on American television. It's happening at the micro level, right? People are breaking these, these perceived racial barriers mm. left and right. I, I, guess, I guess Wan Lee or Jeremy Lin broke the initial barrier, so now everyone's trying to break these barriers. Sometimes motivated not by love of basketball, but because they want to get back at someone that did something to them, right? Or they mm. want to pay back Carmelo Anthony for mistreating him when he was his teammate back in the day. Like, there's a lot of these weird things happening in this book. Yeah, it, it does seem like a series of unlikely events just running one into, like, one into another, like, in parallel. The, the, in there's essence. a good scene where Powerball, Carmelo, hire, brings Jeremy Lin slash Wan Lee, and they're going to go and spy or they're going to go and egg what was the actual scene robert's son like the they're going to go they're going to journalists they're going to go house or something right they're going to go egg sung's house because they're mad at him but when they get there they see that sung is having an affair with 
with Carmelo's wife, right? So yeah. this is an actual scene that happens in the book. Uh, that's probably my favorite scene if you really think about it. Because mm-hmm. it's so unbelievable. And it was early in the book when I was still trying to really, you know, place who was who in real life. So I had this vision of Carmelo Anthony and Jeremy Lin sneaking out into New York to go egg someone's house as I was reading this thing. Mm-hmm. Yet another very unlikely thing to happen, <laughs> I would say. Um, yeah, I mean, I have a question for you. <laughs> so the the ostensibly the Carmelo Anthony character in this book, his name is Paul Burton. That's his real name. Powerball exclamation but, mark. But that's that's how he's referred to throughout the book. It was by his nickname, Powerball exclamation mark. Why do you think he's called Powerball exclamation mark? That's such an unusual nickname. It's very unusual to look at it on a piece of paper <laughs> with the exclamation point at the end. What is your interpretation of that? Because that's what I wanted to, that's what I was trying to figure out myself, and I can't really think of a good plausible well, explanation. Powerball is Paul Burton's initials, PB. That makes sense. Okay. And we call Carmelo Anthony Mello. Mello doesn't mean anything really either. It's just a shortened form of his name. <laughs> so they're just trying to play on his initials. But why the exclamation point at the end? That's the part that's throwing me off a mm. bit. It's open to interpretation. I mean, yeah. he is a spectacular basketball player, right? He's at another level that Jeremy Lin or slash Juan Lee never gets to, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's clear that he's another level of He's ability. a perennial all-star type of player, like an yeah. all-NBA level player, yeah. kind of like Carmelo, who hasn't really quite won, who hasn't won a championship, who's not quite there he's yet. He's better than Carmelo in the book. I he's feel. like the failed superstar, in, essentially. In the book, he can turn his game on and off and then on and then on to another gear. I, I don't remember Carmelo Anthony being able to do that in real life. I mean, that's hard to say, right? Um, I mean, do you think, so he's called Powerball. Do you think there's anything to it that Powerball is a lottery in the United States? <laughs> Maybe he's like a lottery pick. He's like the, the prototypical lottery pick. Could be, man. Could be. I, I don't understand why he chose that mechanism of naming the character. It's very strange. Yeah, it certainly no, is. No other character. Well, that's not true. The only other character that has a weird name is Carrie's sister, whose name is just Kay. I think that's a shortened form. Yeah, but she's ref- she's referred to as K throughout the book. Yeah, and I think that's that's intentional. I mean, I I feel like that's you know because the the book is essentially a K drama, <laughs> so why not have an actual character named K in it, right? I think that's sort of the idea. This behind was a, it. this was a difficult book. This this author is leaving us a lot of stuff to parse through if we really wanted to dig deep. Yeah. No, that, that's that's true. The other, the other name that I think is interesting is actually Juan's name, like Wan, like W. I'm not a big fan of this. And I know it's a Korean name, but specifically, what I don't like about it, what's that? Is okay. Jeremy Lin, from Jeremy Lin's name, we get the word Lin Sanity. Okay, you can print it on a bunch of T-shirts. So he comes up with Wan Lee, W O N, and you're going to print it on a bunch of T-shirts and call that three-week period the Wander. You don't call it the wander. It's wonder, right? It's not, it's not pronounced properly. I can't I can't say it. It doesn't roll off my tongue the same way Linsanity does. Yeah, I wonder how long it took for him to come up with that. Do you <laughs> think he was just sort of brainstorming for a couple of weeks and he finally found something that sort of worked and he just rolled with it? I don't know. I, I think he's also like, you're pronouncing it Juan, but how do you know it's pronounced that, that way? Why can't it be one? <laughs> I knew someone named Juan, but maybe we were mispronouncing his name in medical school. It's possible. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think there's another meaning behind his name, right? It's, it's, 
it's uh you know the past tense of win mm. you know and so he he did win for a while but that now that's in the past i think there's a little bit of that going on mm. as well would be my interpretation of this fair fair you're doing a deep read here i'm impressed man <laughs> <laughs> this is like the first fiction book this guy's read in a long time uh, yeah i don't remember the last time i read a, a book of fiction actually <laughs> it's true excellent work <laughs> thank you so much so you you have spoken to me or you have mentioned before that you you do like the ending of the book. Yes. We've spoiled it a bit. He goes to Korea to play professionally. He turns down the Houston Rockets offer. Right. I mean, in real life, Jeremy Lin actually goes to the Houston Rockets and plays there for several right. years before sort of bouncing around the league and then eventually playing in China. Right. Uh, the last bit, couple of years. Yeah. For the last couple of years. In this case, uh, for Juan, he goes straight to Korea and mm-hmm. plays in a professional basketball league. And you like this. Why? I liked it because... As sad as it is to say, it's basically telling us that the rest of Jeremy Lin's career didn't really matter. We, didn't, we don't need that rest of his career to celebrate the initial insanity part. I've been following Jeremy Lin's career pretty closely ever since. And because of bad luck, injuries, whatever, he never really made it back to those peaks, right? And from a storytelling point of view, the rest of his career is not that important not the way that initial moment was. Mm-hmm. That's a good read of it, actually. So it, it, what you're saying is that after that season of the Knicks, if he went to straight to China to play... The story doesn't change. The story much. of the NBA doesn't change if like, anything, at all. If anything, it would have left more people hanging, right? It would have left us wondering how well he could have played, and that mystique would have lived on longer. When we actually see him struggle and you know, come down from Mount Olympus. It's kind of sad. Yeah, that's a good point. It's kind of like the, you know, the singer or artist who, who dies young, yeah. right? Who's prolific yeah. early on. They die at 25 and who knows what they were capable of. They had so much potential, right? What, what I actually liked about the ending was not that he just went to Korea and played. It specifically says Juan went to Korea to play. He expected that he would light it up there and be the MVP every year. But what he found was that there were a bunch of dudes there who were just as good as him, and there were guys who could make it in the NBA if they had been given the chance. That made me open my eyes, because as a basketball fan, that's a question that I have is, are there these other guys out there? Could they make it, right? Like, we do see Japanese baseball players becoming very successful in the major leagues. How come we don't see basketball players from other countries make it? And we, we are starting to see it. We're starting to see Europeans making it. We're seeing Canadians making it, Africans. So maybe there are these guys and we're just, they're just not coming over. And I like that the book kind of left us with that thought at the end. It put that thought into my mind. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that ending, personally. <laughs> the, the idea that he would go straight from this wonder or linsanity aka linsanity and go straight to korea to play professional basketball after that well he wasn't is, going straight is, though it's preposterous no 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 it's preposterous come on he wasn't going straight in the book after those three weeks his career goes on a steady downhill ride for the rest of the season right he's struggling right. he's injured people are against him his teammates are against them it's not a positive experience at that point to be at the center of the wonder right it's it's not like he finished those three weeks he was on a high and then he signed a deal to go to Korea at the peak of it. He actually had rent, went through the ringer at that point. Yeah, but I mean that's like maybe half a season of through the ringer, basically, <laughs> right? No, nothing like nothing too long. 
I don't know. To me, just when it's I read that part, I just kind of like shook my head and, and just thought, "This is this is utterly preposterous. <laughs> this might be the most preposterous thing in this book. In a <laughs> in a, a book that has a series of preposterous." You know, uh, fair, you fair. know, no, no storylines going no on. No self-respecting professional basketball player would bail on the NBA if no. given the opportunity to continue their career. Does Cree even way. have a basketball league? They must, they right? Do. They do have, they a, do. They okay. have a league. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. And, and let it be known, there has not been any Korean basketball player who's made it in the NBA. But it's coming. As far as, far as I know, right? I mean, there's no... I mean, there, there are talented players everywhere, right? I think... I, I feel like a lot of it comes down to coaching and, you know, going through the rigors of actual proper coaching. It's the same with any sport, right? If there's no good infrastructure for teaching the game, the you know, it doesn't matter how much talent, untapped talent is there, it, it'll remain untapped without the actual proper, you know, skills development that is necessary. Let's talk. Okay. We talked about the book enough. Is that enough? <laughs> Can we talk about insanity? Let's talk about insanity. <laughs> I know that's what you really want to talk about, so let's talk about it. So, insanity, it's been a decade. What do we think of it? What was your experience of insanity? So, I remember the first game. And I just remember it I, I remember people, you know, messaging me like, "Oh, you know, check check this out. Check out what happened." And I, and I checked out the highlights and like, "Wow. Yeah. This guy like you know, had a, had a great game, but you know, anybody can have a good game and you see the reaction of the teammates. They're like surprised. Cause I mean, it is kind of surprising, mm-hmm. you know, based on what happened to that point. And I didn't expect it. I thought it was a one-off and I never thought it would continue. Right. And it, pretty much nobody thought it would continue. Yeah. And he strung a couple games together. But it did. Yeah. And he had the big game against Kobe and the Lakers. Yeah. That was when it became huge. Like, he, I think that was like on a weekend and people were watching that. That was like a Friday or Saturday. It yeah. was like the third or fourth game. Um, he had the, he had that, that buzzer beater against the Raptors yes. on like Valentine's Day or something like that. Right. And the, I just remember the arena was packed with Asian fans who were cheering for Jeremy. <laughs> rather than cheering for the right. Raptors at right. the time, right? And yeah, then it just sort of fizzled out. And I, I just remember as it as it went on, it took me a while to get into it. But then after a while, I just started like, uh, I started devouring all, you know, Jeremy <laughs> Lin related content, basically. And there was a lot of there it. There was a lot of content, a lot of YouTube like videos, like short documentaries mm. about it and... Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a great I thought it was a great story. Pretty much everybody thought it was a great story, and um, yeah, and I and I, I was sort of hopeful that you know he would be he would remain a solid player in the NBA, and he was, and he was for a while. Yeah, right. So I spent a long time following him the last ten years, and it was like a it was like journeying through the barren wasteland of the NBA backwaters, man. Like trying to see what happened in the games with the Nets and then with the Hornets and then and then eventually like the Golden State Warriors G League team and and the Raptors at some point he was there when we won the championship. For the championship yeah but it was a long slog and overall hearing him talk about it, it wasn't a positive experience right it was yeah. it was a very difficult experience to come down from insanity have that pressure on him to try to recapture that have so many Asian Americans you know cheering for cheering for him all the time to the point that he didn't 
even want to acknowledge the word insanity for years and years. You had to see a therapist to like get that out of his system. Do you think that if you gave him some truth serum right now and you asked him, mm. is it better that you went through insanity or is it, would you <laughs> prefer not to go through that? What would he, what would he say? Based on everything he said, I would think at this point he would probably say it was worth going through because it made him who he is now. But I think for most of these 10 years, he probably had a different answer. I feel like it's a little bit unhealthy for a person's psyche to go through such a period of mania right. that is short-lived <laughs> and that everybody sort of remembers and reminds you of. And I, I just feel like it's unhealthy mentally. It, it, it plays tricks on you, so, I think. So I don't think it's a good experience for anybody to go through. I think it's in the moment, it seems amazing, but it's too much. If it was, if you, if you'd been playing at a level that was maybe 25% lesser than the level he was playing, I think it would have been a better experience so if for you, overall. If you were a, a prodigious NCAA, NBA talent, and I'm not saying you weren't, but if you were... <laughs> And you definitely wasn't. And you're taking the truth serum. You would have preferred to be like just a ho-hum Asian-American guy in the NBA, seven points, three assists a game for six years and then out of the league? Or would you prefer to have insanity on your basketball card? Come on. <laughs> I think it's... I think looking forward, you would obviously choose the insanity <laughs> option, right? Looking backwards is different, right? There's There's all these sort of unintended consequences of it that are hard to see before it happens, but you only see it looking backwards. And I think if you had to look at it backwards, I think you'd rather have that more pedestrian career. Maybe. For your own personal happiness. <laughs> I think it seems like he's been through a lot, but that he survived it and he's kind of better off for it now as like a fully mature adult. But it seemed like he was kind of lost with this for a long time. Absolutely. And you, I mean, you followed him more closely than I did, but yeah, everything I've s seen about that, every, when I've seen him talk about it, uh, on podcasts mm -hmm. or, or just on, on videos. Yeah. It's, it's basically the same thing. Like yeah. he, he, for a time he refused to even acknowledge the word. He didn't like the word. It, it almost seems like it's one of those things where it's, it, it's like him saying that that wasn't me. That was just like a moment that happened. It, it was kind of out of my control. It happened to me. But it wasn't me. It, it's, that was it, there. It, 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 the problem was is, is it became bigger than him. Yeah. And it became, but it became attached to him. Right. Right. Like no human can live up to the level of that mania. Except Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, do you think famous people want to be that famous? I don't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> it's easy for me as a non-famous person to say no way. I'd, I'd rather be me, but I, I don't think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather be you or Jeremy Lin? That's the question, Dave. That's where this is all leading to. On the basketball court, every Asian American, Chinese Canadian, blah, 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 dude would have killed to be Jeremy Lin for just a few moments of what he had. That's, mm -hmm. that's what we play sports for, right? That feeling when you, when you make the flash shot and the whole gym is shouting your name. Honestly, for most Asian players, that doesn't happen to you in elementary school basketball. That doesn't happen to you in high school basketball. It definitely doesn't happen in college basketball. It definitely doesn't happen in pro basketball. This thing happened to Jeremy Lin, and it's, it's a great thing to be celebrated. So whether he likes it or not is besides the point. Us as the fans, we l appreciate what he did and what he carried for us on our behalf. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, 
we've talked a lot about the the racial dynamics of this book mm-hmm. and I, one thing that i sort of want to mention was that I, so i heard jeremy lynn on a on a podcast not too long ago and one thing he mentioned was that when he was growing up he touched on these racial dynamics he talked about it a bit and he said that he sort of lived three lives he had his uh, at school most of the most of the people at his at his high school were white and so most of his friends there were white mm. On his basketball teams, most of the players were African-American, so most of his friends on the team were, you know, black. Mm-hmm. And at his church, uh, he, I guess he went to sort of an Asian sort of centric of church. Um, <laughs> most of his friends there were, were Asian. So he sort of lived these three, you know, different lives in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it, it just, you know, and, and it really was just different because of, you know, the racial dynamics of the situation. So I just thought that was interesting. I just want to throw it out there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that sort of is a formative aspect of his uh, experience in life uh, in the NBA. Probably made him uniquely prepared somewhat for the NBA experience, right? Mm -hmm. He at least had that background. He wasn't coming from overseas where he'd never talk to a black person before or something right yeah i I think uh, especially in the past the the overseas nba uh the overseas player who's coming into the nba struggled often and probably a lot of it was not necessarily because of their basketball ability probably a lot of it was to do with their ability to socialize into like american society basically Mm -hmm. and adapt to american culture yeah because it's not like one size fits all, you know. It doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, like American, co- you know, players are going to be much more accustomed to American culture and and the dynamics of, you know, playing with other American players under American coaches than than your average like European player or your right. average you know uh, African player, for example. So my whole last two cents about Linsanity is that, to me, when I think back to Linsanity, it was a great period of time. But my overall feeling is one of sadness and incompletion like i felt like he had the potential to do more and because of injuries because of the contract situation not being on the right teams it just never really happened and maybe he wasn't good enough you know to be the next you know michael jordan or steph curry whatever to me that's the thing and then there's no other guy in the pipeline right so you know i'm in my mid 40s am i going to actually be around that day to see that moment right i want to see a insanity moment that lasts more than three weeks, right? That's the thing that makes it kind of sad for me, and I don't see that coming. And I look at his career, and I'm like, did he really move the needle? Like, is it easier for an Asian American player today to break through? Like when he, when Jeremy Lin broke through, the he didn't get any looks because all the scouts were like, you know, we've never seen an Asian guy. He's guy's got a Chinese name, and I'm gonna look at him twice, even though he's got some skills. Right. And that kept happening to him. Is it would it be easier for an Asian guy today? I I feel like it's not. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like it's not. And that's the thing that's disappointing about Linsanity is it becomes sort of this cultural relic of that time. But it didn't really change anything for from a from an Asian-American basketball standpoint. Yeah. Um, I mean, people one thing that people say nowadays is that representation matters. And I think the reason people say that. Oh, so when they say that they're, they're talking about seeing um, like for example, a an Asian guy in the NBA. That's mm-hmm. a representation that matters because now you see what is possible. Mm-hmm. Or if you see an African American CEO or right. a president, for example, right. right? That representation matters to the people of that culture, right? Right? Because now they see that as possible, whereas before they didn't see it as possible, right? 
right now, it seems like his representation didn't matter that much. Right. Because it didn't lead to any any other Asians going into the right. NBA, um, as, as you said. And so maybe it just remains the, the, the way it is, right? I guess we're going to have to leave people on a somber note <laughs> <laughs> as we celebrate the anniversary of insanity. Yeah. Going back to the book for a second, do you do you recommend this book? Like, are, are you are you in a position where you would say I would recommend someone read this book, or is there anybody in particular you would <laughs> recommend read this book? I don't think I would recommend this book. It would be very hard for me to identify a person I know that I would say you have to read this. Is it because it's too much of a slog? It's too disjointed. It's too I don't know. It's appealing to a very specific subset of person, right? They got to be really interested in insanity, first and foremost. They got to be really interested in Asian American issues. They need to be interested in race and what this author wants to say about race in America. Most of my friends are Chinese Canadian or Asian American. I don't think this book is going to touch them in a way of telling them stuff they didn't experience already. And it's, it's not memorable enough to be worth their time i think i'm gonna have to say no yeah i'm i concur with you I, i'd have to give it a pass mm. I'm, I'm happy i read it overall i mean i'm happy we read a, a work of fiction <laughs> that was interesting that was a that was a interesting experience yeah and this is not a regular novel this is like some sort of you know off-center quirky asian-american you know, thing. It's, 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 it's not an easy read. So it, I'm proud it, we did it. It doesn't read like a normal book. I mean, <laughs> for one, there's two separate narrators, right? There's one. And then there's this girlfriend. It's not that they, uncommon. They, well, and then there's these interjections where they have to explain, like there's chapters where they explain the Korean, what a Korean drama is. <laughs> like, it's a bit like, it's a bit odd in the way it's set up to me, at least. I, I will say that you were very nice in choosing a nice G-rated quote to start our podcast with. But if you had actually chosen the quote that the book starts off with, maybe it would attract some people to read it. But we will not read it for people on the air. They can go pick up a copy or a sample of The Sense of Wonder and have a peek themselves. And if they're interested, they can go on from there. Since you mentioned a quote, maybe uh, maybe it's time to take us away with a quote. But first, <laughs> you have to tell the listeners what we're going to review next time around. Yes. And we are next, the next podcast in a month or two is going to be a good one. That's all I'm going to say. All right. We, I've already read the book. It's called into thin air by John Krakauer. And it's a story about a bunch of people that decide to climb Mount Everest and how everything that can go wrong does go wrong when they try to count, when they try to climb Mount Everest. So come back in a month or two for us to talk about that. We're uh, veering a little bit off of professional sports. We're, yeah, we're exploring. No, this one's good. This one's good. Yeah. I, I'm not spoiling it for Bill. This is a good one. Sounds good to me. A couple of white guys got up and one said, is that the wonder kid? I reached for the scissors. We were all in black. It was obvious we were grieving. I'm here for my sister-in-law's funeral, Juan said. No disrespect, but just let us be, okay? They started toward us. With the wonder over, white fans always wanted Juan to be grateful they still knew his name, as if their recognition made him exist. 